Hello and welcome to the 149th episode of The Sausage Factory, brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, so initially focuses the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Space Cats with Lasers by Bidden Toast Games. Gentlemen, Please introduce yourselves and tell us what you all do. Who starts? <laughs> Daniel, please. Uh, I'm Daniel. Yeah. I'm Daniel. I'm the artist and designer, well, one of the designers of the game. I'm, I live in Canada right now. I'm also the owner of Bit Toast Games, the company, and I make games. Uh, I'm Guilherme, or Guy for short. And uh, I'm, I was the programmer and also one of the designers for the game. Uh, I also live in Vancouver. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much me. Oh, hi. My name is Thiago Adamo. I'm the guy who made music and sound effects for every uh, Toast games. Uh, and uh, I'm not living in Brazil. Right now, São Paulo. Wow, it's a very international episode, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Seems to have sprung from Brazil, as you were saying earlier. But uh, yes, um, two of you have now moved over to Canadian land and uh, enjoying the delights <laughs> of poutine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gotta have all yes. the poutine and all the gravy. All of the gravy, yeah. All of it. And all of the money with the queen on it. Yay! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, we have a place of, a place of poutine here in São Paulo right now. Oh, well, there you go. I did not I'm know that. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Probably... Then you have no reason to come anymore, Tiago. You can just stay in Brazil. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have, I have, I have many reasons to come to to go to Canada to go to Canada. <laughs> All right. Violence. So, oh, oh, yeah. Well, so. Let's move on to the first question, proper, well, second question, I should say. First, done the first one. You, well done for answering that so well. Um, second, it gets harder, by the way, as you go along. It's a bit like, <laughs> you know, there's a boss monster right in the, right in the middle. So, so it was a mini boss. Is that really. continuous? Or? There, there's about four credits. I'll give you four credits and then we're done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this to all of you. How did you start making video games? Daniel, how did you make your start? You can go back as far as you like, by the way, I don't mind. <laughs> so I studied animation and visual effects at the Vancouver Film School. It wasn't for games, it was more for TV and movies. And when I finished my program, I was looking for a job as an animator, and it was very hard to find a job at the moment. Uh, I was playing a lot of a game called Dungeon Defenders, which is an indie game on Steam, and it has modding tools. I started using those modding tools to create levels, and I started actually making my own levels and publishing on the Steam Workshop. And that's kind of how I started by modding. I ended up getting a job with that company, well, a freelance gig. Uh, I did that animation for the trailer of Dungeon Defenders 2 because they liked what I was doing and they got in touch with me. Okay. I mean, it's a great start, the modding of existing games. It's basically, you've, they've, you've, they've done most of the hard work. <laughs> And you yeah. go, let's see let's let's look under the bonnet or the hood or sorry I'm British. Uh, but yeah, look after yeah, look look at the engine itself, not fiddle with it, take a spark plug out, then put it back in again. 
and then you know <laughs> do, do, just fiddle around with it but not actually build the engine itself that's for crazy people um, and uh, but, he, he has done that before <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah it's uh, so that's a great way to, to make a start absolutely what, what about you Guy what, uh, how did you make your start making video games uh, my desire to make video games started really early it's one of those uh, cliche cheesy stories like oh when I laid my uh, my eyes on the first game I played I knew I wanted to be a game developer <laughs> you know, like, but it but it's kind of like that when when I was young I was just playing games with my cousins and they were a bit older and they would introduce me to like more advanced games games that uh, a kid of that age shouldn't be playing right so not not when it comes to violence but when it comes to like complexity yeah for for yeah. example like playing XCOM when I was really really young yeah uh, that kind of stuff and oh, I was yeah. uh, I, I'm not gonna remember I'm, I'm terrible <laughs> with, with dates and but anyways and I, I like the, the, the world was so amazing to me and I, I just found such an amazing thing to, to actually make a game one day was was a goal for me right. and then I joined computer science uh, because, as, like you said before, if you, if you want to make games, you've got to have code. You need someone coding for that. And I was like, this is what interests me the most, and I had no artistic veins. Right. So I just went into computer science, and and once I joined, I was like, hmm, when I start making games, and I realized that you don't. <laughs> you don't really learn anything about... I mean, you... Not specifically no, to a game. No. And then uh, on my own spare time, I started developing my own games or learning. And and then I got to know Unity and other game engines, and, and it sprung from there. Wow. So you went to, to high-level languages and engine, engines, which is what many people have gone for because it makes sense. You know, it's not like, <laughs> not like 25 years ago we had to know assembly to make games. Um, yes. which is now pretty much the domain of driver makers I think Yeah, <laughs> it's those people yeah, who do that really. like, uh, yeah. why would you recreate the, the wheel all the time right yeah, that, yeah. that's what happened before yeah. each, each developer would just create their own engine because that, that was the, the best way to, to do the only way sometimes yeah. but yeah. now we have so many tools available and it only makes sense if it makes sense for you, and most of the times it doesn't make sense to make an engine. That's right. That's right. Um, there are a few that do that now. What about you, Togo? It sounds like you're a musician more than anything, but uh, how do you get involvement in making video games? Oh, I'm a gamer since 1988. Oh, okay. When I when I when I, my my father's bought to me a Master System console. Yeah, they're massive in Sega. Brazil, aren't they? Massive, I understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm not I'm, massive. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a bit worried that I because we only get snippets of what's going on in the world. I try to do as much research as I can, and I know for certain that the Sega Master System was huge, and it's the first yeah, yeah. Uh, console I bought with my own money. I think. Yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was back in 87. I'm very old, by the way. Um, but uh, no, my first video game was Pong. I'm not joking either. That was in, that was in 76. That's how old I am. Um, still remember standing on a box with my brother playing Pong with this big yellow machine. I had no idea. I was just losing my mind about the fact I could 
moved something and then something on the television was moving. It's lost my mind. Um, <laughs> and there's only five. <laughs> and then in the yeah. same year, I watched Star Wars. How I survived that year, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so you, you started off in 88 um, with the, the awesome Master System, which I do own still. But um, not the same one, though, I hasten to add. <laughs> but, um, so yeah carry on so then yeah then I, then I started to, to make music early too I'm a, I'm singing a choir right and I have a band until early 2000s but I but I I, I my father my my parents always uh, told me oh you you you're not able to uh, to live as a musician Try to do anything else. Yeah, uh, yeah. There is no support for this this kind of career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, then, uh, then I, I'm I'm always into uh, computing. Uh, I I have a computer since uh, 1992. I'm pro I'm starting programming. Uh, Basic, Cobol, and uh, uh, Visual Basic or C. Then I working at about uh, fifteen years in the IT industry. Then I'm starting to make music for video games professionally in 2008, making music for uh, bad games or uh, <laughs> advertising games or games you will. We got You know, you got to bring home the play. money to pay that mortgage. So yeah, that's got to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then uh, I'm. I'm I'm starting to spread in the world of game uh, game music in Brazil. Right. I'm producing video games live since 2011. Uh, and you probably you probably know video games live is a show from Tom Talarico, mm. the one of the 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 best composers, uh, Occident, Occidental composers of all time. Then uh, uh, I met this this guy called Daniel in 2014. Okay. Yeah. 2014 yeah, Believe it or not, it's three yeah. years. Just let I know. Yeah. <laughs> Time yeah, is it's just been a while. 2017. Then yeah, go on. Then I then I start to make music for the games of this guy, yeah. and then we made uh, about uh, 27 games together. Wow. 27, Daniel, or 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 am I wrong? Uh, about about that number. Wow. 27, yeah, 28, 28, Very I guess. prolific. Uh, awesome. Then that, that's it. The, the games of the Bitentos are my best games, and uh, uh, and uh, working on uh, Odalus, the Dark Call, making sound effects, and now I'm I'm working on a up, upcoming title of Joy uh, Master Two, uh, make sound effects for Blazing Chrome, and but but I'm I'm. I'm I'm creating a platform to teach game audio in Portuguese called Game Audio Academy too. That's me. I'm uh, I'm old, I'm old too. I'm from 1982. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just yeah, I I I've given up trying to when I hear people say, "When you grow up," I'm like really? No, I don't. No, no, no. It's, it's too hard. Um, it's just. <laughs> You know, hearing talking, you know, waxing lyrical about music and uh, your extraordinary career of you know going off to IT and then actually coming back into the field and going, you know what, I'm going to make a job go of this, and you've more than made a go of it. You've obviously made a huge success out of it. And to to hear about you know games live and seeing orchestras doing full arrangements of 
you know, the themes that we've been listening to for decades. Everything from Zelda to Final Fantasy to Halo, etc., etc. It's all been. It's quite extraordinary how people say, yeah, you know, you know. There's even now a, a radio, a classical radio station that actually has a weekly show dedicated just to video game music, which I never thought I'd see the day or hear the day that would be the case. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, music cannot be understated and uh, in, in the importance of games and some of the most memorable things. When I hear a, a, just a just a, 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 a few bars or a statement, if you will, of of a piece of music yeah. and go, oh, and then you suddenly regress to like, oh, I know that, I know that, uh, like you hear a bit of the theme from Dragon Age or from Skyrim and you go, oh, yeah, that's when I killed that giant. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it makes, you know, it's huge. It's huge. It brings back memories. It brings back lovely memories. And Space Cat's place is, is, is riddled with that, lots of memories of things that happen. That we'll go into huge depth to, but not quite yet. My next question then is a bit is a bit nebulous, but I hope you can get something out of it because you've been you're, cl- you're clearly p- uh, prolific creators of video games. So this may be easy for you to answer. Um, as creators, what do you? What is your biggest influence or influences? What is, what is the thing that you find yourself gravitating towards more than anything when you're making video games? It's mm. a good question. <laughs> uh, I guess we, we use as influence the things we play the most, right? Uh, for sure, Dungeon Defenders that I started by modding. Right. There are elements of Dungeon Defenders in other of my games, right. like both on the artistic side and on the design side. Uh, we also love roguelikes, and we always talk about creating a roguelike eventually. <laughs> They're hard to do well because yeah. you need to figure out what is the persistent element of that game that goes from one mm-hmm. level to another. And what what reward are you going to give the player for failing so badly, <laughs> which is dying? Talk, you know, talking about space cats. Space cats does have somewhat roguelike elements. Yes. Um, yeah. There's, there's, it's, yeah, go on. No, yeah, it's 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 like a a mix up between a mesh up between the very arcade experience with some small elements of roguelike. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I it certainly forced me to come back. One more go. You've got that going on this game. It's um, just one more go. <laughs> but it's one a.m. Yeah. Shut up. One more go. <laughs> You just watched the Xbox conference. Yes, that's right. Just <laughs> uh, I wish I'd never done that. Actually, it wasn't bad this year. It wasn't bad. Uh, <laughs> um, it was pretty good. It yeah. was pretty good, yeah. It's quite, you know, all the, the different uh, titles. But we're not here to talk about that. So you're saying that basically, it's a great answer. You're inspired by other people's work and when, they've done, when they've done it well. And what, what, what better way to be influenced by others and other creations, and to say, look, we've that's that's great. What about you, Tiago? Do, do you do is that similar thing, or what, where do you get your your um, your inspirations from from your stanzas and your your music? Uh, uh, for me, it's pretty clear. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Yuzu Koshiro, composer from Japan. Okay, and uh, I'm starting to make music. Uh, because him, uh, then I 
this is my first influence in everything I do in game music. I'm trying to make something uh, inspired by the 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 courage and the creativity of this this guy because in uh, in nine it's uh, eight or barely barely eight or nine it's uh, he decided to put electronic music club music in a game it's the streets of rage and uh, this changed a lot of things in the in the gaming in the gaming industry and. Uh, the, uh, the the how uh, Yuzo Koshiro stands as a composer in an industry, it's a it's a thing I'm really really it's a, it's a really really inspiring for me. Uh, is the first composer to have the name in the in the game or in the the title screen of the game, uh, Shinobi games and uh, Streets of Hage games, and a probably Actraiser game have the composer music by Yuzu Koshiro and uh, this is pretty important for for us because you you mentioned the music uh, uh, it's commonly underrated in the projects but uh, this guy make put the put the music in the first first place in the games and uh, it's classical and uh, I remember when he goes to United States to play for the first time in 2011 on a magfest uh, it's a about uh, two two thousand Americans singing and 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 dancing the songs of the of a game of two thousand of, of uh, 1990s uh, and uh, this is a pretty important and is my my huge influence and uh, I I have to mention uh, Austin Wintory it's per, my personal influence because he's a friend of mine and helped me a lot uh, when I when I, trying to find my way. Uh, into game music, right? And he, he helped me a lot. Wow! Yeah, I uh, I bumped into him at E3 about four, f- five years ago now. I'd stumbled out and uh, and uh, out into the, the bright sunshine. We were just on our way to get some uh, an evening meal, and there was there was that game company just outside giving out T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> don't know, yeah, yeah. Don't know why, and they were all there. Just this is that game company. This is them, you know. When they were just, you know, they were just doing Journey. And they were handing out Journey shirts, and I've still got it. And every now, every now and again, I wear this shirt, and people go, "Where did you get that?" <laughs> and like, well, there's a story behind it, you know. It's just, it's just, uh, yeah. I was at E3 and just walked out, and they were handing out shirts for no apparent reason. So, yeah, I did meet him, and uh, very, 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 very talented musician, and. Uh, Excellent responses, and this kind of leads me on to my my next question. It's the fourth question, in the first half. You're doing well, so you're doing well. Um, which is, um, what developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Daniel, hmm. I'm thinking now. <laughs> Told you it gets worse. <laughs> last one's really nice though, so I'll, I'll let you off for the last one. But there, yeah, it's is hard because I know a lot of developers don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't usually think about specific developers. If I if I, if I try to think about one specific, like yeah. both the guy that made Cave Story and the guy that made Undertale, yeah. to me are amazing. Yeah, the the size and the, the the quality of the game they made, pretty much by themselves. I know that the Undertale guy has used the has had some help. I don't know if Pixel had any help. I think he just did everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are pretty. Uh, Pretty impressive. 
feats. Yeah. Well, yeah. For me, it's also hard to pick only one person, but um, I'm. I think it because the the time when I played his game, I was it was very strong for me because I was just trying to find myself, and it's one of the guys that really pushed the indie for the Jonathan Blow. Um, and um, he, yeah, and, and I just absolutely love Braid. Yeah, he's. Um, he, I think it's he's a divisive figure amongst some people, mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm with you, actually. I think he did a phenomenal amount of good to the indie game development scene. Without him and his pioneering work, him and many others, but, you know, you had people like, who were doing, um, you know, Phil Fish, like him or loathe <laughs> him, um, Fez was an amazing game, uh, and yes. remains so. Um, Super Meat Boy, and of course, the follow-up, <coughs> or the, not spiritual follow but the next game along the line, which was just like a sideshow sort of thing, but Binding of Isaac, both amazing, mm-hmm. amazing games. And they did, yeah. they did much to say, look, as much as we like playing Gears of War, Twelve, um, can we can we do <laughs> can we do this weird stuff as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And now we have stuff like Stanley Parable and Papers, Please. I mean, just imagine going to a publisher and go, "I've got this game. We are on an eastern border of a mythical eastern <laughs> European country yeah. where you're having to f- sort whether you're going to let them in or not. Get out of my office." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and now we have publishers that only do this um, kind of stuff, um, right? Exactly, yeah. Yes. It's it's amazing. Yeah, so Devolver Digital, it's a lovely group of people, uh, lovely. Mm-hmm. And they've done a lot of good too. So, and you've also got, you know, Team 17 diving back in and letting go of worms just a little bit and it, you know mm-hmm. into publishing other games from from other people it's just because you know the, and there's, there's some games where people go is this a game well the fact that you're asking that makes it more interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah you know when people say you know is everybody's gone to the rapture is it a game no <laughs> <laughs> oh well, maybe it is but i still liked it so there it is you know um, what about you, Tiger? What, 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 uh, how, what um, developer do you most admire, if you can name I any? Know. I admire uh, from the from the indie scene. I'm I'm really admire Remy. Remy is my from Villa yeah, here. Been in... It's a cool guy. Yeah. It's uh, It's not a uh, uh, because we have this uh, situation on indie uh, scene when uh, have a, uh, uh, developers. Are not connected to the to the the audience or the other developers of of the entire world. And then Rami goes to Brazil, uh, and Rami always uh, going to abroad to spreading his knowledge and uh, many 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 good things. He's a cool guy. I really really like him. And uh, it's not it's not precisely a, a developer, but it's a uh, it's a sound audio director from an indie studio. It's Darren Corb from uh, mm. uh, Super Giant Games. I really like him. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, we've had them on uh, the show to talk about um, Transistor. Yeah, but we're gonna try and get them back yeah, for their yeah. current game. Transistor, so. Bastion, yeah, uh, and now Pyre. Pyre, yeah. And uh, he gives me uh, 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 he gives the best 
uh, advice of 2016. I was on a GDC and I, I'm asking about uh, making a, a song with uh, lyrics, with lyrics. Right. And uh, and he 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 asked. He told me, man, go do this. You are in, uh, we are indie. You, we have freedom to do this. Uh, make make the song if the guys like. Oh, if you like the song, the result. Uh, it it worth and it. The result of this, I make them the songs from Water Box, and this is my uh, most impressive uh, work uh, with music in my entire career. Because many t many people make videos dancing the song and singing. Wow. It's pretty fun, and uh, and I and I like him. It's because uh, it's an audio director working just for one company. Uh, in the indie company, he's he make uh, a pretty bunch of whole things on the audio thing. I'm 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 I really like him. Yeah, that's a fantastic pair of um, uh, developers there and the, to to inspire you to actually you know get out there and say it's okay. Don't don't worry about other people think. Just do what you want to do, and people will come to it typically unless it's really profoundly bad, um, which is you know <laughs> not the case clearly with what you're doing here. So. Um, no, I met Rami a fair few times actually because uh, he, like him, like travel a lot and uh, um, yeah, he's, he's everywhere. He's everywhere, <laughs> trying to help. And it's, that's what he wants to do. He's just trying to help, and he has a very he lives on a plane. He lives on a plane, and he doesn't seem to, you know he he's from Holland, and he's fiercely proud of that. Actually, he's, I notice he's very proud of his country. Um, but uh, he, um, yes, he, he like I say, he does live in live on a on a, on a, on a plane. Um, so, my last question, which is quite light-hearted, but it's one I have to ask because we're doing a podcast about video games. Therefore, I have to ask this question. The question being, what are you playing right now? I'm playing board games <laughs> lately. Really? I've been playing, yep. Okay, give us... I've been playing Bed of Winter, which is a pretty great game. It's a good co-op game, isn't it? Oh, it's a traitor co-op game, Yeah, it is a great co-op yeah, game, yeah. Yep. Well, you don't have to have traitor, but yeah. playing... Started playing Arcadia Quest, which is a dungeon crawler board game. Have you painted the figures? Is... I, I painted a couple you of did, them. You did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely yeah. done. I find painting figures very therapeutic. I kind of zone yeah, out. It's slow, just zoning out. Yeah. And you don't actually focus on what you're doing at all. You just, just can't. Yeah. It looks pretty great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and they're much easier to paint than the Warhammer ones because um, yeah. they're, they're big, sort of anime like. Um, I've only played uh, Super Dungeon Explore, I'm afraid, so I'm not familiar with Arcadia Quest, but they're from the same family, I understand. So, um, yeah, I found Arcadia Quest a little broken balance-wise. Right. We're trying to change some rules and try to make it more fun. Have you heard of Gloomhaven? Uh, no, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, Gloomhaven is a, the big sort of board game everyone's loving at the moment. Uh, it's a, a cooperative dungeon-crawling game that goes on for many, many, many months where you have to play over and over and over again and you're on a quest and it's this big, there's a big overworld map and depending on how well you do in the in the dungeons then things happen in the overworld map. Look it up. It's oh. amazing. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Um, but yeah. Anything else? Now, lately it's been all all real games. That's, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, uh, I'm not sure. If, have you heard of Terra Mystica? Have you heard of that? Yeah. That's come out on the iPad now. I'm not sure if it'll oh. work, 
People say it does. I didn't quite like the original, the, the board game one. I'm not a fan of Euro games, oh, the ones okay. with all the point collection yeah, and stuff. Yeah. They're not for everyone. They're not for everyone. Yeah. What about you, G? Um, what, what, um, G what, what, what have you got been playing recently? Does playtesting the games you're developing count? <laughs> Barely, although I do have a bracket. Because, I have a bracket uh, in my notes, um, apart from the one we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, unfortunately, most of my time is spending just playtesting, and uh, I have so many games that's on my Steam library just winking at me and saying, yeah. come and play, Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but I just don't find the time to... Any particular ones you're, like, you're wanting to really get into? Yeah, lately, the when I sit down to play, I usually play something casual with, with my girlfriend, so we're just like... Looking for a chill time. I was playing Lovers in the Dangerous Space Time. Brilliant which game. Is I like Excellent it, game. Yeah, I, I think it's. And uh, although it can break friendships, why did you do that? Why? <laughs> why did you put the shield there? There was nothing yes. coming for us, but you put it there. But I thought, yeah. no, you didn't. That's the problem. But no, it's a, it's a wonderful game. Um, yeah, I love the title of it as well. When you try to explain to people, "Lovers in a Curious," what it's a song lyric. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's so long, right? People are yeah. used to like this kind of this. But it escalates really quickly. When it starts off, it teaches you off, teaches you the basics, and then it goes right off. You go into hell, and it just gets really <laughs> crazy. It goes yeah. really crazy. And now what yeah. I really like too is that uh, you can choose your own play, like difficulty, basically. Yeah. Because yeah. it gives you a range of things to collect, or you have to save these bunnies. And if yeah. you get five, it opens the, the gates to the next level. But if you really want to push it a bit harder, uh, you, you can just collect extra, and then the world gets the, everything gets harder. So I really appreciate this this um, this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I found when I play with my friends is that the harder it gets, the less is said mm. between us. Suddenly, it gets very quiet. The game's kicking <laughs> off and being very loud, but between the two players, or whatever number it is, it's like, yeah, it got very quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it's because you're getting the zone. Yeah. Also, it's <laughs> yeah. I have to focus and I have to make yeah. this work. Unfortunately, yeah. I haven't played it with four player yet. No. I only play with two, but I bet it's even even better with four more chaotic. Yeah. And, uh, more I've, I've only ever done it with three personally. Uh, um, that particular game I have played four player with Broforce though that's hilarious oh. <laughs> that must be very insane because everything's destructible in that game right so yes. you basically yes. can't even walk it's just like you're constantly <laughs> falling and dying yeah it's so basically the level. yeah friendly fire is rampant in that game and uh, there was one one player said you know what? I can't do this anymore why I'm, I've hit maximum bropacity at this point I just, there's too much bro too much bro I can't do this and bro. he was bro um, it's just yeah very very funny game very very well done but uh, four player one of the funniest things I've ever done in my life um, uh, what about you Togo um, what about you uh, what kind of games have you been playing I'm playing less than I than I than I want but because uh, yeah, I'm working a lot yeah but uh but the Nintendo Switch uh, saved my my gamer life because um, I'm I play every single day one or two 
Mario Kart Races, Mario Kart 8, né? Deluxe. Oh, you've and got, I'm the, starting you've got to the Switch play... as well, have you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and I'm starting to play uh, Street Fighter 2 uh, from, <laughs> from, from, from Switch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Two. And I'm and I'm I'm not really really uh, wanting to back to Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild to to finish the game. Yeah. But uh, but I don't have time enough. I'm not crazy like Daniel who uh, is starting to play Zelda one week and start and finish the the game and the whole thing in a in a, the same week. He's a crazy guy. I'm, I'm, wow, I'm that's not, that's a. I don't know. I don't know anyone like this guy. That's eighty hours of just yeah, my goodness. Yeah. Hats off to yeah. you. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's pretty crazy. I'm playing this. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not playing uh, a lot, but no. I'm playing every single day. That's cool. Switch is an amazing machine, isn't it? It's. Uh, I think it's a. It's a liberating thing that you can just go. You know, you can pull off the dock and then walk away and then play some stuff on the train and then you come back it is and, pretty awesome and then you put we it we are on the working dock. on a switch game right now i'm very happy to hear yeah. that um yeah. I, I think nintendo have been very welcoming about indie developers coming to make their for their machine you could be cynical about that and go well, of course they are but there's more <laughs> to sony yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um but no but that's it for the first half. Well done. See, you made it. Yes. Nicely yeah, done. We got the brownie points now. You do. Yeah, you got. To, well, you, you didn't lose any credits, so there you go. <laughs> so be, be thankful for that. Um, but now it gets really hard because now I'm going to ask you some searching questions. At least I like to think they are about space cats with lasers. First question isn't really a question. It's your turn to basically tell me what is, or tell the audience, I know what it is, I've been playing it for ages, but what is Space Cats with Lasers? Any one of you. Daniel, maybe? <laughs> well, it's a game where you control cats in yes. space, yes. and the cats have lasers. They do. Any more to it's it a, than that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a twin-stick shooter um, that has permanent death, and basically it's a leaderboard run you're just trying to make really bringing back to like our the arcade experience where you put the coin and then you play until you die and then you reach a score and that's what you're known for and so we have leaderboards and that's basically the idea very fast-paced twin stick shooter and it also features a cat 
that it's sitting on a piece of cheese. Just want to make there are different ships. Uh, as you as you play, you can unlock different ships. There's burrito. There's synthesizer. There's a box. There is, <laughs> but I didn't want to spoil that for everyone. Thanks, Daniel. No spoilers. They're the worst. Um, <laughs> no, because um, yes, there, there's many many unlocks because. What wouldn't modern games be without unlocks, eh? Really, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a twin stick shooter um, that's surprisingly, not surprisingly, it has layers to it. Much more than, if you watch it, it doesn't do it, it's not good enough to watch. Although it's fun to watch and lovely to hear, you've got to play it. Because there's stuff going on underneath this game you would not believe. Until you actually get it, it becomes a bit confusing. But I'm going to ask you this. This is the first question that struck me. is like, why have they done that? Why Why, why the limited ammo? <laughs> why the limited ammo? Yeah. Um, actually, this comes back now that Tiago said, talked about Remy. This comes back to one of Lambier's videos. And... One thing that they said is you, you should give them a reason not to shoot. If your game is about shooting, uh, you either make the, the, the player shoot constantly and you don't even need to worry about shooting, right? It just auto-shoot fires for you. Mm. Or you give them a reason not to shoot. And um, we tested a little bit and I kind of like the idea of having to maneuver and, and, and change your, your, your play, even if just for a, a little while and, and, and dodge instead of and be defensive instead of being offensive and that kind of stuff. So I think that's an interesting. It, it's a bit uh, controversial, but I, I like it. You're right. It makes you... It makes you realise that, you know, I could go charging around the shooting and everything randomly, even though I'm not hitting anything. I mean, 90% of those shots won't hit anything. So yep. why are you shooting? So mm-hmm. why not just put an economy in there and say, you have ammo. Really? But it's <laughs> lasers. Shut up. You've got ammo. <laughs> yes. Why is my cat on a piece of cheese? Shut up. It's got ammo. Yeah. So, you know, it's... <laughs> Uh, we did just release an update that changes the reload time a little bit. We're trying to balance it better. Gui has yeah. been play testing a lot, yeah. trying to find out the best values. Yeah, the, so, yeah, the reload time is quite it's quite intriguing. It's this whole oh yes, you're gonna, you're gonna run out of um, you know magazine. You have to reload the, your magazine, wherever that is. Um, but <laughs> um, no, I just found it quite fascinating how that appeared in, in this part of the design it's quite interesting it, you're right it does force you to think a little bit more than to simply randomly mm-hmm. shoot at stuff the enemy rodents at least you know initially uh, they're quite devious in their weapons loadout especially well, the one that provides shields to others I'm sure you know what I mean yes. can you talk through some of the design of them and how they've developed not to give too much away because that's part of the charm of with space cats with lasers is that you the more you play the more you the better you get the more devious and ag- aggressive and violent the enemies become but can you talk mm-hmm. us through some of the design of these these um, these enemies sure um so basically we we had uh, a brainstorming session about 
um, having it because Space Cats actually pivoted a lot. It originally began as an asteroids kind of game, which with, with the um, yarn balls that you had to shoot. And there's a let's add more to it. Let's let's have a brainstorm and have enemies. Mm-hmm. And then we we just started talking like what would be a nice and brainstorming everything is valid, right? So yeah, just start spinning out ideas and. And then you rule them out once you you've proven them they're they're not good. But we we're just talking about it and trying to come up with as many crazy and and interesting um, things. And uh, I feel like the, the 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 one enemy that you mentioned ended up being one of the most interesting because he's the only one that directly changes the the play field. Um, it's it's very dynamic enemy. It can completely change your train of thought. You're like, I'm gonna kill that guy, yeah. and then suddenly that enemy appears, and then you have to change your your strategy and, yeah. and adapt to it. So I really like how dynamic that enemy is. Yeah, I, I can definitely see how. Um the, the development, the design, the thought process has gone on with the, you know, the fact that you've had to throw more stuff in, more stuff in. Well, if you have this thing that fires out lasers or just puts out a laser sort of site, you know, if you stay in that site or stay in that location, you're probably gonna die. You know, and it's yes. it's 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 um, there are some common stuff we've seen before, but then it's mixed with other things we've never seen before. Um, sure. There's definitely stuff that I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but Jeff Minter. Um, he does a lot of um, no. You should look his stuff up. You'd be quite. You'd probably think, oh, there's a kindred spirit there. Although most of his games features llamas, I don't know why. But he's Jeff like, Minter. Jeff Minter, yeah. He's just he just released a game on the PS4 called Polybius, um, which is on VR as well. It's crazy, absolutely nuts. But I think you'll <laughs> like it because there's a lot of. I've got a lot of Jeff in this game, even though you've never heard of him, which is wonderful. It means that there's a great minds think alike, yet you've never heard of him. He's based in Wales, and he loves oh. llamas. And he's been making... Oh, y- yeah. Llamasoft? Llamasoft, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm definitely going to check that out. Check that out, it's amazing. Uh, but, um, you know, it's... I, I was really um, taken by this game because of the, there's, there's there's a lot of humour going on. It's just, it's a cat in space shooting at ma- mice and rats yes. and things. <laughs> Come on, it's ridiculous. Uh, um, I see this guy has a space giraffe game. He <laughs> does <laughs> space giraffe. Yes, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a classic. Just just yeah. Go nuts! <laughs> you, you will be Why getting, not? You get yeah. His his stuff is crazy. He he really has some very odd things. The amount of times I'm screaming. I was playing uh, the other night, and I'm always halfway through going. I can't see what's going on, Jeff. What's this, Jeff? What's that, Jeff? What's that sound, Jeff? Because he just throws in random sounds. I mean, Thiago, you probably find it just he he throw in like a. Uh, one minute it'll be a phone ringing, the next minute it'll be a klaxon. It would be all the sound design you know is bad. He does, <laughs> you know. Every every rule that you know as a sound designer, he goes, you know what? Sod that. Throws out the window and just throws everything in, and it's just it's a cacophony, but it works, just, mm-hmm. just. But anyway, I do get that feeling for it's very much a Lamasoft game, even though you've never heard of them. It's quite, it's quite mm. awesome. I want to ask you about the uh, upgrading 
So this is my next question now is the, you know, there's a steady upgrade path. Uh, and each wave, as it's defeated, you get rewarded by bonus sort of PowerPoint, if you will. Um, how have you developed these? And does the next level after you enter change in any way to respond to what you've done? Or is it just a standard design? Hmm. You want to go for it, Daniel? All right. Uh, oh, well, so can, can you just repeat the, the question? How, how was it designed and if yeah, the next so the, wave changes according to what you have chosen? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So basically, we wanted to... We wanted, like Daniel said, we're big fans of roguelike. And... Uh, I, I played myself quite a bit of Binding of Isaac, and I really like how uh, when you're starting Binding of Isaac, you're like this very, very, like, almost useless <laughs> player. Your, your, your projectiles are so weak, and the range is so bad, right. and, and, you, and you work your way, and you, and you get better, and, and you can feel progress. Even because we're talking about an arcade game, right? It's something that once you finish, you're back to zero. But, yeah. but even then, during that play session, the player should feel progress. He should um, feel like that his character is evolving. So that's where the, the, the power of the upgrades came uh, to be. And uh, about the second question, no, it does not. Changing an upgrade does not influence um, the next wave in, in any shape. No. Yeah, well, the next wave will be harder, but not because of the upgrades, no. just because it is the next wave. It's the next wave. I thought that was the case, but I thought there were some subtle changes going on that I couldn't quite see. That's the great thing about... Pre well, one, one of the things is that the waves are procedural, right? Right. So what, what enemies it throws at you. And sometimes that's just a lucky coincidence or, or just the nature of randomness, right? Yeah. So you choose something and then it, it just coincidentally matches. It's yeah. like, oh, wow. so I got the faster attack rate. So yeah. the game is throwing me more of that. Okay. And that's the beauty of, of, of procedurally yeah. creations too. Yeah. Um, my last question is... It's one I felt after playing it, and I just want to respond to it because I want to make sure that I'm getting this right. Because after playing it for so long, it reminded me a lot, a lot of games from the early 90s, specifically on the Amiga, because I used to play a lot of games on the Amiga. Is there, was there a conscious effort by all of you to recreate that sense of arcade, let's just blow everything up and to hell with it? I mean, is that is was was that generally the underlying desire to make a game that does that? That that does what? I'm sorry. I'm just saying it's a bit hard to uh, to respond to this question. But what I'm trying to say is, I would just read the question. Any now. specific Amiga game or just the um, Amiga game? Yeah, I mean, uh, Stardust would probably be um, Super Stardust would probably be a good example. Um, I'm not old enough for, for yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I ha I have I I played Amiga a lot and I and I'm under understanding your question right uh, probably the guys don't no uh, played <laughs> any game from Amiga but uh, uh, I'm I'm involved since the beginning of the project and then I I'm uh, I'm 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 
I'm making the brainstorm uh, uh, with Daniel to to make this this pretty crazy idea to space catch flying uh, on a synthesizer burritos pizzas everything. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, uh, when when uh, Gib, uh starting to work in space catch. Uh, I remember we talking, uh, Guy and Daniel talking about to make the things uh, more like an arcade. They're more like Villainbeer games, and the Villainbeer games like Nuclear Nucleatron, uh, for example, have has the, the, the this this arcade thing, this mm. early nineties uh, games things. Yeah. Uh, they they don't they never played uh, Amiga. I played Amiga. I played Super Stardust. I played many games on Amiga, and I think uh, I think this the the, the guys uh, picked the spirit of Amiga from the guys from Villambier or or yeah. another yeah. influences. Okay, not direct. It's not a direct influence. No, but uh, it's a. Uh, it's it's kind of sort of influenced from the game who influ who was influenced by this game. <laughs> yeah, uh, just fantastic answer because here's me, old fellow, been playing games for decades, thinking, oh yeah, this plays like an Amiga game, and to many people, <laughs> the younger generation, like what? <laughs> Which is what you two did. Like, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of M- MSX. Uh, uh, I played MSX and Amiga in the, in the early nineties, yeah, yeah. and then, uh, for example, to have a, an Amiga or MSX in Brazil, you, you must be rich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You must be rich that, uh, because it's a, a computers in Brazil in the early developments are were was pretty uh, expensive. Mm. Uh, for example, uh, in the beginning, uh, oh, my my father, uh, my first computer, my father uh, sold a telephone line because in the in the early nineties, a telephone line <laughs> worth like a car. Right. And he sold a car <laughs> and a telephone line to to buy a computer. Wow. Buy a PC. Yeah. It's a, a pretty pretty crazy thing of nineties. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, MSX for me it would be um, Nemesis or Gradius. Um, that, that was amazing on that machine. So, but yeah, it just has that Metal Gear. Metal Metal, Gear. Uh, the first Metal Gear I played is on MSX. MSX, yeah. People don't know that, but it's true. Um, but um, it's no. I just wanted to share that with you because it's a positive thing. Please don't take this away as a, as a negative because some of those games back then, although they were poorly designed, and uh, and Tiger would Tiger would would agree with that. The design back then was terrible, terrible. You know, they're very unfair. The balance was off. It was just, they were terrible. Um, but, but, despite that, they were still um, uh, had something. Of course, they did. People bought them and played them, and for, for for hours on end. And what you've done here is took taken modern sensibilities, modern design aspects, and really honed it to a point where it's really entertaining and a wonderful game. And yet still have that spirit of a, a kind of game which you don't even know where it comes from but I can, I can, I can assure you it's there it's right in the middle of the game um, whether you like it or not it's there and that's great so don't worry about that's it that's great um, <laughs> um, in fact that's the one thing that keeps drawing me back to it was the fact that it had modern design sensibilities and I can thank you for that because you're obviously you know you're very um, well um, versed in modern game design 
which is something people don't quite understand. It's the evolution of game design in the last 20 years has been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Some people have got it wrong, and that's okay, but some people got it really right as well. And people are learning not only from their failures, but also, and people need to know this, you learn a lot from your successes as well. You know, and I, I do get a bit agitated when people say, oh, you learn from mistakes. Sure, but don't you learn from your successes as well? well of course you do. Yeah. And, the people, you know, it's, it's just, and what you've done here is definitely evidence of that. So, gents, it's been fantastic talking to you, all three of you, about this amazing game. Uh, I can't impress an audience to go out there and go and get it. It's out on Windows PC. Any other formats? Is it? I can't remember if it's on, on, on Mac and stuff. I know it's a Unity game, but if you could, it is on the Mac. It is, right? Yes, and yeah. Also, I don't know how many <laughs> of the listeners are gonna actually be on that platform and play games on that platform, but we also have it on Linux as well. Yeah, well, a lot of people have Steam boxes, so that's how. It was, yeah, that's true. That's what mm-hmm. will happen there. I have well had one. But now I have a link box, and the link box mm. make, it gives me my, or my gives me my expands my library because if you just have a Steam box, then it limits your library. But if you have a if you have a you know a link box, then it goes to your my Windows machine, and therefore you have your entire oh, library. So the Steam link, right? I have Steam, one. Of those. Yeah, so yeah, That one is just amazing. They're amazing. I, I yeah. So I I've actually been playing uh, Space Cats with Lasers mainly on my big television, not not on my my. My small computer, well, so it's a you know small monitor. Um, that's for work. I tell myself, you know, <laughs> not not for playing games on. Well, um, I wish you the very very best of luck with with um, uh, space cats with lasers, and many on your future endeavours, whatever they may be. You're more than welcome to come back on to chat about your future work, whatever that is. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. Yeah. Thank you, Chris, for uh, it was great talking to you as well. Thanks for having us on the program. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so now much. Now we know how the sausage rolls are made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also don't forget listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there you just look up the sausage factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on twitter at chris o'regan no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the stable mate podcast shall we say on the spawn bye